say I'm debating Pocahontas, right? I promise you I'll do this. I will take, you know those little kits they sell on television for $2? Learn your heritage. We will take that little kit and say, but we have to do it gently. Because we're in the Me Too generation, so we have to be very gentle. And we will very gently take that kit and we will slowly toss it, hoping it doesn't hit her. And we will say, I will give you a million dollars to your favorite charity, paid for by Trump, if you take the test and it shows you're an Indian, you know. President Trump unleashed in Great Falls, Montana on Thursday night. A lot to talk about now with our roundtable, joined by Patrick Gaspard, president of the Open Societies Foundation, former political director in the Obama White House, Republican strategist Sarah Fagan, the Bush White House political affairs director, now a CNBC contributor, Democratic strategist Stephanie Cotter. She is a veteran also of the Obama White House. Happy to welcome her as our newest ABC News contributor. <coughs> Joining here at ABC, Chris Christie, the former New Jersey governor and ABC News contributor. And Chris, let me begin with you. Let's talk about the Supreme uh, Court. President clearly working the phones. He loves this process of picking a Supreme Court uh, justice. Loves to have a little bit of surprise as well. But are you pretty confident that the choice is one of these four people on the shortlist we've been talking about? I am, and I, and I think they're four really good people. Uh, four very different people in terms of their background and their experience. Um, but I think all of them are people who no one could argue are extraordinarily well qualified from a legal perspective um, to serve on the Supreme Court. So I think the president's got a good list of four people. Um, knowing him, um, he is going to continue to think about this until um, the last hour and uh, that he Which can make the decision. Which means the lobbying is going to continue to the last hour. Well, of hour course, as but well. I, I got to tell you the truth. I don't know how affected he is by that, George. Um, I think on this kind of stuff, he'll have a pretty good gut feel of whether that person is someone that he wants to sell to the American people and to the United States Senate as the right person for the Supreme Sarah Court. Sarah not just gut feel, we just had Leonard Leo here, formerly of the Federalist Society. In, in many ways, anybody on the shortlist is pretty much a known quantity to Republicans. They are. They have uh, track records, of course, but some of them have longer track records. You know, um, there's been some conversation about Brett Kavanaugh, for example, former colleague of mine. He's been on the court for 12 years. He has an incredible, impeccable track record. And I think somebody who would move the court forward and influence uh, his fellow justices if selected. Uh, 12 years on the court, Patrick Gaspard, may not be enough in President Trump's mind to overcome the connection to George W. Bush. Well, yeah, and you, know, you showed that clip from, from that rally. And in addition to those attack lines, he actually even had uh, the gall to go after President Bush's uh, impressive uh, record on encouraging Americans to volunteer to the thousand. The first President Bush. The first, yeah. the first President Bush. And it's just uh, absolutely, I think, uh, regrettable and I'd say reprehensible. But uh, yes, the judge does have, I think, 289 uh, decisions that are going to be uh, parsed through. All, all, all four of these potential contenders have a long history uh, that would suggest that all of them are going to move the courts in this decisive moment uh, further uh, to the right. And I think that's going to uh, compel uh, two uh, moderate uh, to, uh, independent, two independent uh, uh, Republican senators and three uh, Democratic senators in red states that Trump won to ask a really tough question about how this moment is very different than the Gorsuch moment uh, in that. Which uh, wasn't changing the balance. It wasn't the changing the, the, the balance, and, and this might be a good deal more polarizing. Stephanie, you're a veteran of, of these confirmation battles from both the Senate and, and the White House. Mm -hmm. uh, put on that strategist hat. Is there really any? standing in the way of any of these four nominees given the lineup in the Senate right now? 
Well, potentially. Um, you know, of course, Gorsuch won with 55 votes, including three Democrats. Uh, but since he uh, was confirmed, uh, Republicans are down one, uh, with Doug Jones winning the Senate seat in Alabama. Uh, we don't know whether John McCain will be able to come back uh, to vote for this nominee. Uh, so that puts the, the count right at the balance at 51. Um, if uh, Democrats hold together, and there is a compelling argument for Senator Collins and Senator Murkowski to see this as the swing seat, which could mean uh, a big change in direction for women's rights, the ability for women to make their own decisions about their health care decisions. Uh, both of these senators have said that's incredibly important to them. Uh, there's a chance that um, this nominee could at least be delayed, if not blocked. We don't know yet. The no. flip side, though, of that argument, of course, is that we're heading into uh, a very contentious election. We have a we have ten Democrats running for the Senate in states that Donald Trump uh, won, and so the notion that some of those Democrats would not support this nominee uh, for their own political futures, uh, to me, uh, uh, leads me to think that any one of these four would get through the process and be confirmed in well, time. But, Except you're missing one important point. But in the, but in the context of the, of, the election, <laughs> of the election and the midterms, I, I would just also add that right now, poll that we saw from the Washington Post last Friday demonstrates that this president uh, only has the approval of 32% of American women. So if this Supreme Court fight is litigated on health care, litigated around choice, that's going to have implications for this, Republicans this as Supreme well Court fight uh, who are gonna, running. This Supreme Court fight's not going to be litigated out there. It's going to be litigated in the United States Senate. Republicans who do not vote for one of these four very qualified nominees are going to have an awfully difficult time explaining to their constituencies why they didn't. And I, again, this is one of those things where what party you're in really does matter. And you talk about those three, um, there's more than three, as Sarah points out, that are going to really have to worry about this. Claire McCaskill is going to have to really think about Bill what Nelson she's going to do in more Florida. Bill right. Nelson, right. I mean, there, I think there are six or seven well, Democrats. Happens. Once one Democrat goes, you could see a whole bunch go. It's That's absolutely true. That's right. But the one thing that we are talking about with this Supreme Court nomination that we very rarely talk about in these nominations, usually it turns over Roe v. Wade or uh, some obscure Commerce Clause <laughs> uh, uh, argument, this one, I think, for these Democrats that are up for re-election in some red states, it's going to turn on health care because there are cases moving through the court. The last check on this president has been the courts in terms of unraveling this Affordable Care Act. And there are cases moving towards the Supreme Court that... So the, is this, this weekend we saw them it, in the district court. It, exactly. And we saw the administration just yesterday end payments to insurance companies that helps them cover with pe people with pre-existing conditions. I, I, those, dem those Democrats in those red states care about people with pre-existing yeah, conditions. But, that is the change, point to be determinative. That's not going to be determinative to, to Joe Donnelly in Indiana oh, or sure Heidi Heitkamp in, in, in her state. I mean, it, the fact is that those states are so red and Trump won by so much that they're in very, very difficult, if not almost impossible races, and they're not going to want to make their lives more difficult. Well, we so, saw also Senator Blumenthal. I mean, the line of attack, which we anticipate from Democrats are gearing up for a war over whoever the nominee is, you know, that if, you know, there's going to be no rights for anyone who's gay, no women will have any rights. Uh, you must recuse yourself on a vote on, in a theoretical vote on impeachment. I mean, Democrats are going to throw everything at this. And at the end of the day, the governor's right. 
this is politically untenable well, but right now for, it's for not, people but, but, but right like now, Joe Manchin and but, Heidi Heitkamp and Joe Donnelly. No, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take your point, but right now we're not seeing Democrats gearing up for war. We're seeing Republicans gearing up for war around this nomination mm -hmm. where you're seeing a profound fissure inside of the Republican Party. There's no fissure. Into this inf I don't think there's any fissure. Just how right they can take no. that. Let me, let me just try to connect some of these, these, these points here as well. Let's say Mueller does come forward with some kind of report before the final hearings, which are likely to be uh, in October. Isn't that, and we heard, we heard uh, the response there from, from Leonard Leo, but isn't that going to strengthen the Democrats' case for delaying anything if, if a Mueller report drops right in the middle of confirmation no. hearings? It'll, it'll just, what it'll do, I think, quite frankly, is make confirmation easier because then people would be distracted. If the Supreme Court is the only thing that people are going to be able to focus on, that'll be one thing. If we're focusing on a report from Bob Mueller and the Supreme Court, this, this nominee will, I think, sail through because people will be distracted by the brightest, shiniest object. And but let me say this, there's not going to be a report. I'm, I, I'm willing to bet you right now no there will be no report until after the election. There's okay. no way he's going to finish between... Listen, George, he's going to have to finish them. We're, we're sitting here today at July 7th or 8th, right? July 8th. He's going to have to finish, you know, by September 1st. Not going to happen. Go Governor, if there's the ever an argument to delay a Supreme Court nominee, it is with a special prosecutor issuing a report on whether the President of the United States colluded with Russia on an election and obstructed justice. That is an argument to delay a Supreme Court nominee. Really? Because you're speculating that at some point a matter like that may in fact get to the Supreme Court and that person you're already deciding could be the deciding vote when in fact when you look at what happened when President Clinton was in office, the people who President Clinton appointed voted against him on the Paula Jones matter. Supreme Court justices on issues like that are not going to vote in a partisan way. They're not going to vote according to party. We've seen that over and over again, whether it was the Nixon tapes case, or there's Bill Clinton and Paula Jones. Although we have they, seen the court get more, more partisan yeah, over but time. They rose above it. But, 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 Governor, the notion that somehow uh, senators are going to be distracted from the Supreme yeah. Court decision, I think, is... Uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a stretch. This is one of the most... This is one of the most remarkable shifts that we're going to have in the Supreme Court in, in, in generations. The 1930 shift was remarkable. The 1968 shift was profound. This one is as consequential, and there's no way that Democratic senators or Republican senators will be distracted from it, uh, and this is going to be litigated. Particularly when it is the last way. branch of government yes. that performs a check and balance and on this president. Let's not forget that the, this nominee is going to get confirmed because of Harry Reid getting rid of you know, in, including the nuclear option for court picks. And so Democrats have no one but themselves to thank. Well, it was actually Mitch McConnell who did McConnell. away with the filibuster. Yeah. Uh, well, both both sides are always, they always switch, switch places on all of these nominations. Isn't they, it true that even if Harry Reid had not done away with the filibuster, if it were necessary to do away with the filibuster now to get a Supreme Court pick through, Republicans so the, would do it, just as the Democrats would. I don't know if Chuck Grassley would have gone along with that, But the reality is this is the way we... Select Supreme Court justices now in this country, and whoever this person is, they will be able to get. Confirmed. And I'm not ready to buy into this that this is the most profound moment in the court since 1968. Right. Anthony Kennedy, if you look at his voting record, in the main, if you if, if you don't look at at, at Roe yes. and and at um, gay, rights. gay rights, Anthony Kennedy to, to, to historic. But guess what? You know, on, on, on most other things, okay, um, I understand your point, except that those issues are much more important to some as opposed to others. There are other issues on the court that are much more important to certain people around the country. And yes. Anthony Kennedy you're, you're, has been you're, a mainline. You're, you're right, that Roe vs. Wade is important to the majority of the country. It has been a mainline conservative. Um, and so 
this profound change that we're talking about, I think, as someone who's appointed Supreme Court justices at the state level, no matter what you're told before you nominate them, take my word for it, they forget once they get to the court and they make decisions based upon Except, what they believe is right. Right. But you have a president. Let's not forget that this is the first president who laid out some pretty strict litmus tests during the campaign, which is what ultimately helped him get elected on the kind of justice that he's looking for, both on Roe v. Wade, also on health care and many other things. Are you other trying things. to tell me that Bill Clinton and Barack Obama did not have a litmus test on Roe v. Wade? You're trying to tell me that Bill Clinton or Barack Obama would have appointed a justice that they knew There's was going to not support Roe versus Wade? Well, yeah, Please stop. Just because know, Donald Trump was honest and said it. And Bill, wait a second. Just because Donald Trump was honest and said it, and Bill Clinton and Barack Obama didn't, don't tell me all, that they would have considered pro-life justice. All you have to do is look at the you know? court today to know that the governor's right about that. And, and you know, look, all this conversation about Roe v. Wade, that's not, the, that's not likely to ever come up that is not likely to be the legal precedent. I mean, the, the court has moved to uh, Casey versus Planned Parenthood as the legal precedent that well, maybe be not a strict overturn, but right. were, you can see the court continuing to improve, shaving away at Roe v. Wade. Over well, also the science on abortion is the whole other sure. factor that you know we forget. Thirty-six years later, no question, ha has moved sure. this debate. Th this debate is completely different than it was when Roe v. Wade passed, and any future court cases are going to be different because of all of those factors. I think that's absolutely right. Let's turn quickly back to the uh, investigations, and Chris, let me uh, go back to the Michael Cohen uh, p potential uh, cooperation with prosecutors. You heard Rudy Giuliani saying he's not worried uh, about it at all. Can you share yeah. that? Optimism? Listen, I don't think I don't think I don't think Rudy's telling the the whole truth there. I mean, I don't think you can never not be worried when someone who has at one time represented your client is now in the crosshairs of prosecutors. But what I will tell you is I do think that Michael Cohen's role, based upon my observations, um, has been significantly overplayed. Um, you know, he was one of many, many lawyers that Donald Trump had. Um, and the fact yeah, that he got the hottest of hot button issues, didn't he? Trump Tower in Moscow, the Stormy Daniels case. Listen, you know what? My, exper my experience with Donald Trump is there aren't very many cool legal issues that he gets involved in, um, not ones that don't create a lot of controversy and a lot of heat. So, listen, but it's all, it's all speculative, George. In the end, if Michael Cohen has some things to say, I think he's made it very clear he's going to say them with the actions he's taken by hiring a new lawyer, by cleaning up his Twitter uh, handle, all the rest of it. And by the way, that in my experience as a prosecutor, every criminal defendant makes almost all the time, which is to put their own liberty and the sake of their family ahead of anybody else. That's what happens. I thought that Michael Cohen's interview with you was absolutely astounding, and it's clear that somebody who has had a long-time uh, loyalty to this president has uh, shifted. That has to be causing anxiety inside of uh, the, the White House and with the president's counsel. That has got to be the last word today. Thank you all very much. Hi, everyone. George Stephanopoulos here. Thanks for checking out the ABC News YouTube channel. If you'd like to get more videos, show highlights, and watch live event coverage, click on the right over here to subscribe to our channel. And don't forget to download the ABC News app for breaking news alerts. Thanks for watching.